Hello. Hey. This is Ergo. It is indeed. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. And what we do here every week is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and creative. We are doing that. We are. We got a great one today. A treat for you. With the wonderful human poet, teaching artist, co-founder of Big Kid Slam, a visual artist, and just Loving truly a, a comforter, as yes. you will hear, yes. Tim Toaster Henderson is here. <laughs> We can just call him Toaster. This is Toaster. This, this is, is Toaster. Toaster episode. Uh, for those who know him, you definitely love him, and you're going to, I think, appreciate this conversation. And for those of you who do not know who this person is, you're welcome. This is a great way to uh, get a glimpse into the wonderful soul that is this wonderful man. Yes. Without further ado, let's get right to it. What up? You can do a hotep thing without yeah. being a like hotep. True. And yeah. I think like Huey's a lot more learned than that and has a better understanding of intersectionality. But at the same time, like there are moments where you look at both of them and you're like, mm. <laughs> like there is some there is there, there is some like he would be on like the bougie hoteps. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Of like, y'all niggas piss me off. But when he went to meet up with his with his friends from Chicago, true. they were Definitely hoteps. They were. You know what I'm saying? And like him interacting with them was they weird were. because then he, he had did, to realize he, his life is, there's more to it than that he now. He did have a hotel base. So I guess even in that, hotel like, <laughs> and they were from Chicago, damn. Yeah. No, but I well, feel, yeah. I feel like, <laughs> have, you, have you met Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> we got our pockets. We, we out here, yeah. Uh, but all, all Somebody's buying like, those sandals. <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't I, keep I making them. I just the rest of this. Whatever I was going to say, can we talk about the sandal selection in the black community? I just don't know where my father keeps getting these sandals. Because I don't see them. I'm it, not in this store. I don't know oh, where that's to find so them. Are they cost effective? Is it a luxury? You oh, can only get so at a barbecue with socks. I don't know. <laughs> sandals oh. in general are kind of a minefield. Yeah. yeah I you would know? say if, if we had to force it into a dichotomy, I'm anti. You're anti <laughs> Like, there's spectrums of everything, but if we want to simplify. You know, I've sold out a lot this year. <laughs> uh, was, 2019 was the year. You the biggest hypocrite. You know, I mean, there's just some things that happened. I was like, well, I need to be comfortable with You know what I'm saying? If I'm going yeah. to if I'm gonna go out, I'm, I'm going to go out comfy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think one of those was uh, fanny packs and uh, Adidas sandals. But fanny packs became cool. When people, Which makes it worse. Like, That's so much worse. I know in my heart of hearts that when I was a 10-year-old, I felt like fighting anybody who had one of them Technicolor ones. And now... <laughs> That's all I want to wear. <laughs> well, maybe like, that's why you wanted to fight them so badly. Because it, you yeah. it's like how I feel when I see guys from the suburbs. I'm like, I'm not you, but I'm close to you. <laughs> and that's you. why I hate you. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about Jack and Jill kids. Exactly. Like, I wasn't it. I saw it. I'm not it, but I, I define myself we're by not being we're that. I think, that I think that's why I hate Drake party. so much. Right. Right. Because it's like, I see how you are able to maneuver in the world. I can understand it. I've been close to experiencing some of those positions. Every choice that you have made since you've gotten power is the opposite of what I think people should do yeah. in every situation. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I make fun of J. Cole, sometimes I'll rap in the classrooms and students will be like, you sound like J. Cole. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I don't uh, like that. 
But, <laughs> but, where are you on his trajectory, though? Because because I've been really appreciative of the recent growth. I think uh, the J. Cole joke still sits there because right. he has been J. Cole his whole life and he cannot erase all J. the J. Cole that's on the internet. Uh, I've come to terms with the fact that I can really appreciate J. Cole's taste. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Other than outfits. Well, maybe I don't, know. I don't, I don't even know. actually think I have a problem with his outfits. Also, like, I'm not the most fashion savvy, so I'm not really, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think he's sincere in it. Yeah. Because there are people who have tried to do the, like, I don't care look. Yeah. I think, really there, I think there's a balance yeah. no, of, he like... actually doesn't give a, a fuck. A, a balance of, like, I have enough money. Like, I have on Jordans right now. I didn't right. coordinate them. Yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a thing that you would usually see Jordans with. But I put on things. Right. And, None like, I don't care together, enough. But yeah, they are together. So. <laughs> they are. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> They're happening at one time. Yeah. <laughs> They might not be in conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they are together. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's do let's, let's, this. Let's be for real. I'm going to be vulnerable and transparent here. Oh. Up. It is warm in here. Mm-hmm. I stink a little bit. That's okay. So I just want everybody to know who's, safe space. who's in yeah. this room with me. I completely forgot the odor today. <laughs> I live around the block, though. So, <laughs> so all right. We're going to go check in <laughs> yeah. before the next stop. I feel bad for whoever is the studio after this. Uh, but for us, we're fine. Yeah, here. we're good. All right. We're really excited to be here <laughs> with... An absolutely wonderful person. Let's do the full name. Tim, quote, <laughs> Toaster <laughs> Henderson is here. I appreciate you. I always find it funny how people do the name. Like, Toaster is always perfect. Like, I'll be like, yeah, just say Toaster. Because part of me is hoping that someday somebody will Google a Toaster. And I'll be first. <laughs> You're trying to get that SEO up, that yeah, search engine yeah. optimization. It, it'll Ooh. never happen. But if you pick goals that are easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's similar. That's a similar egotistical goal to what I one I have is I want to be significant enough in the city that when I die, they changed the E to an O in Damon Avenue. The whole way down. I don't want one of the brown pieces the whole, of shit. The whole, <laughs> the whole way down. Right. Stick me over on, so on 74th funny. somewhere. But this is honorary. They're going to no, no. think they have to change it all weird, and people are going to say it all weird. But it's it said it said pretty much the same way. All you need is two stickers yeah. <laughs> that are both like a quarter of a circle. I feel like, like it's such an easy and job. Do that shit tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you should at least do it somewhere. On your block. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, like, I did kind of grow up off Damon. So yeah, I, that's, sh- I should go somewhere over there. Yeah, do that. Take a picture. Then it happened. <laughs> so let, let's start where we like to start. Uh, in this time, in this moment, in this season, however you define time, how's the world treating you? How are you treating the world, Toaster? It's actually been really weird because no matter what my anxiety tells me, some of the work that I've been doing has just been like coming back to to support me, and that's been. Uh, I'm almost give my voice a little hard, but uh, <laughs> like there's just been times where I'll be, you know, running a show or like doing something new, and the way that people have supported me has been like, damn, like I must be showing up in some way. <laughs> but I've just been really, really grateful for the people in the community, specifically the people that have been like coming through the workshops and coming through to the show. I also just got back from like a wedding in the woods where Muggs was like doing all the stuff, so like I'm all like culted out if that makes sense what do you mean by doing all this stuff I, I'm like I'm intrigued by the stuff like uh we got out there and personally like I don't like the woods or weddings or <laughs> situations where white people control where I go mm. and uh I really trusted this friend and I went out there and like they were like all right cool so we don't have anything done yet we have to do it <laughs> and like that's the type of thing that I think normally I'd have been like man but like everybody came together and like put their piece in it was just really inspiring and Reminded me a lot of like, you know, setting up for Big Kids Slam and like 
watching people show up like an hour early. <laughs> and I'd be like, man, like, come on, we ain't set up yet. And they're like, I, I came to help. Yeah. Giving into the community the way I have been, uh, it's been coming back and just reminding me that I, I, I need to be a part of this community and I need that's, to be doing this work. But that's where I want to start with you is personally, I will say I feel like it is a detriment to my life that I don't have a, a better relationship. We don't have no relationship yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like I also, my dad painted a painting of you. I know it's creepy. I was waiting for the time to do it. My dad painted a painting of you at Christiana. Whoa. Dead ass. He saw a picture of you in the Tribune and was like, I'm going to paint them because he like, liked the article that was about y'all. Whoa. It might have been a sometimes. Oh. I'm not sure. And then I, like my dad showed me and I was like, <laughs> but it'd be weird if I, I'm just going. No, I, I, don't, I don't know where it is now. But wow. Like, he wow. was like really Pops. impressed by like the work you were doing. That's wow. I am blown away with, I am humbled. Wow. Yeah. I'm also making a sticker with you on it. So I hope that's okay. I didn't really realize it until like I got the call to be here. And I was like, oh damn, that's going to be weird too. So I'm just going to throw all that out <laughs> right now. Why are you doing yeah, a sticker with Damon? I'll show you that. Why are you making a sticker with Damon so, on it? So, uh, I approve this. I got, <laughs> I talked to definitely uh, for it. I talked to Jalen. Like I was like telling him I was doing a whole bunch of collages and stuff. Uh, and he was like, I got all these extra photos. Like if you want to like use some of them, there's one where you're playing the drum and mm. I have you like on a like a paddy wagon, but it's like it was like a party on a paddy wagon. Whoa. But, like I- I'll show you later. I'll show you later. But, Yo. Yeah. That sounds raw. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we so need a relationship. Cool. We do. We yeah. do. So here's I- I'll put it in time of, of, <laughs> of the way the way you show up, right? Um when I was most active in the artistic community and like circling around YCA specifically was when you were gone in the Bay. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then, and then once, <laughs> once you were coming back is when I, 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 you know, definitely was much more like politically social movement mm-hmm. focused and did not have the same time, energy and relationship to the space. And so, you know, we've known each other, we, we've been right. in space together, but I remember those two, three, however long you were gone, you were so present. Because you you had such a lasting impact, and not even right. like oh, there's this dope poet that's gone. It was like my best friend, <laughs> my brother, the kindest person that I know, who is so gentle and funny, is not here. So everywhere I was Damn. going, for, you, you you weren't around. But like the way you were talked about is the way I hoped people would talk about me when I wasn't around. Man, I and really so, appreciate that. And so yeah, I fucks with you tough because then you li- you lived up to the hype. Like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm you, glad. I thought you were gonna be like, you got here, and you were an asshole. I, was I like, bet yeah, you, okay. and you were super cool, <laughs> and you were nice, and you were funny, and you are you are a charming sweetheart. Uh, I who, who that, yeah. you know? So that's where I want to start. Start with some gas and some love. You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful palate cleanser! I'm gonna answer all these questions different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we start with the gas. So you mentioned Big Hit Slam, and just in general, feeling like there's a critical mass of love coming back to you yeah. right now. That feels different from how it felt, let's say, a year, two years, three years ago. The reason why, so first and foremost, shout out to Race Jackson, who was the driving force behind Big Kid Slam. I think like for a long time, I was like, I want to do a show. And Rach was like, so we're doing it. I was like, yeah, okay. But I mean, like, when are we going to do it? She was like, next month. (laughs) 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 Oh, 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 all right. Yeah. Well, well, I guess we'll put this together then. (laughs) Well, it's so much easier not to do a thing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And and Rach has just been a huge inspiration and also like just a huge driving force in getting this off the ground. And uh, we made the whole thing, I mean, no shade, but, like, there's no place for black and brown teenagers, marginalized teenagers, to, like, go and slam in between 18 and 21. Hmm. And I think, like, that's where you get the most creative folks. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Folks who are looking at the world, just starting to get, like, a tangible grasp on, like, what they can change. Mm -hmm. And, like, 
then they got to get a job. Right, <laughs> they got to right, sell right. out. They got to get responsible for themselves in a way that like a high schooler is. Right. Right. And, or they're uh, like in college and doing Cupsy and all that stuff. Right. And Cupsy's cool. And I think for me, I just want people coming out of Chicago to like have the community that I had. When I was coming up in YCA, like in 2003 to 2000, whatever, 10, I think a lot of it was just me realizing like, oh, there are really cool, talented people around. And I could just be around these fools and just like (laughs) make art with them. And that's that's it. This year, I've just been focusing on like reminding myself why I'm doing this and reminding myself that I can provide that space for others. Like if all it takes is a slam and like a procreate workshop or like put markers in a space, hell yeah, let's do Mm -hmm. it. You know, and all of a sudden, like all these artists are coming out the woodworks and they're like, free art supplies? (laughs) Like Mm. free stage time? What's up? That's been really cool. Again, we made this whole slam because... We thought that there weren't any spaces where people like us felt safe to to perform. You know, I think a lot of those spaces felt like the Cotton Club in one way or another. <laughs> Just in that they'll invite you to perform, but they don't care about who's in the audience, right? Yeah. Shouts out to the spaces that gave me the opportunity to get on the stage, but there's more work to do. And I think uh, it's important to, to be intentional about that. Yeah, and you've been doing this on various stages and in various ways for a minute now. So at what point did it kind of crystallize... Or was it initially clear to you that like part of what felt off or wrong was like, hey, no one's paying attention to who's in the audience? Because I think about that as a a performer, Mm -hmm. you know, for the people in the audience, you're the show. But if you're on stage, the audience is kind of the show. Like you're watching them, you're engaging with them. And if it's a band, it's a little different. But like if it's just you and a microphone, you're looking at them the same way they're looking at you. And there's way more of them than there are of you. Like people aren't thinking about what that feels like. Yeah. So how did you wrestle with that or was that uncomfortable and and what kind of how did that ferment into let's make a thing? There were a lot of really cool stuff happening that me and Rach didn't get a chance to do. <laughs> For one reason or another, it was like, oh, we could go and do this thing, but it's going to cost a lot of money in a way that we can't, you know, mm-hmm. or like, oh, we'd love to do a show with like all these really cool people, but in reality, they don't like traveling to those other shows or all we would like to do and I, like at a certain point we were just like, I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all I have to do is make it, you know? Uh, And sure enough, like, all these fantastic organizations have just been, like, looking out for us and, like, supporting us. And it's just been really, really beautiful watching how the community is like, yeah, you're right. We do need that. We we do need a space for that. I would love to know all of the creations and combats that have come after I'm a grown-ass man. Oh, <laughs> I've always thought it's such Just a, the history of, of that, I'm a grown-ass man I think when it, that's deployed and what, what the results have been. <laughs> I think part of growing up is realizing that every time I've said I'm a grown-ass man up until I was a grown-ass man <laughs> was like a precursor <laughs> to be fucking up real bad. Yeah. Right? Be like, you were I'm like, a grown-ass man does something really sexist. Yeah, you know, I'm a yeah. grown-ass man does something that blows up in my face. Because uh, you were like trying to convince yourself you were. Exactly. Yeah. Where I think now it's more of like a call to action. Like, yeah. you know what? I'm a grown ass man. I can pick up yeah. after myself. It's like the difference between yelling it and like acknowledging <laughs> it. Yeah. What, so what's the distance between a grown man and a grown ass man? I also think it's a very funny if you put the inflection in a different place. Yeah. yeah I also, I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> I, been, I was an adolescent ass man one time. <laughs> And oh, my appreciation man. for ass has, yeah, has refined so Nobody does it like ass. You know what I'm saying? No and matter if you what, you do, turn right? us off. We yeah. don't need you. We this don't need you for you. If you don't like ass, we don't need you. To listen, <laughs> you're, if you're an anti-ass, you're an op. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand on that. Body shaming yeah, yeah, yeah. asses. That's wrong. Yeah, that's, that's wrong. wrong. <laughs> uh, 
I think I think there's like a grown man that's like somebody who like does the bare minimum. You know what I mean? Takes care of themselves, is a part of whatever, you know, does whatever, goes home, lives their life, right? I think grown ass man like comes into play when like the maternal voice in your head is like, you know better. You can do better, you know? Hmm. And I think, like, don't get me wrong, my pops was, like, super good at teaching me how to be a man. There are some things that I learned from him that, like, ain't in a book, you know? But uh, most of the time in my head when I'm, like, I'm a grown-ass man, it's, like, my mom, <laughs> like, right there behind me, like, you, you fucking this up, you know? Because really what she's saying is, like, come on, you're a grown-ass man. Like, yeah. handle this. You yeah. know you're capable of that. Yeah. You know yeah. that you can really do the thing that you think you're too tired or too lazy or too, you know, whatever for too egotistical for, mm-hmm. too grown ass man for. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that that's her like telling you or imploring you. Have there been lessons or experiences that taught you it for yourself? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 What are some of those? <laughs> Getting health insurance, I think, was like, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah, that puts the ass a grown. Or like, or like <laughs> advocating for yourself in a workplace. You know what ooh, I mean? Where yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. you're like, ooh, you know what? I can't survive off this. Or, or even worse, like, I can't be in this environment there were a couple of places in san francisco that like i loved the people and i hated the job and there was no reason for me to be there it wasn't in my wheelhouse and yet i was like still there mm-hmm. finally i got into like a bus truck accident with one of them and like i got out the car and someone's like what are you doing here and i was like i don't know <laughs> great question i'm a grown-ass man and i'm out here fucking around with the fuck arounds so i need to be <laughs> <laughs> I need to be at home figuring out my life. Why am I doing this? If you're gonna be, I don't with like, a fuck around. Yeah, <laughs> do not fuck around. Right, <laughs> right. You're, you're already right. there. Right. You gotta find something else to do with the fuck around. <laughs> yeah, like be better to yourself. You know, like yeah. acknowledge the things that are important to you, and also acknowledge or uh, hold yourself accountable as well. Yeah. So let's let's stay on this a little bit. <sighs> Man, I'm just thinking about this, this language. Some dirt out. Like the way you said that, I was like, I feel like you're about to be like, said a house you burnt down when you were five. <laughs> well, tell well, us about that. I didn't do that. Okay. That wasn't me. That was somebody else who did that. That's not grown-ass man behavior. Yeah. But, you know, in, in, in thinking about this conversation, we've talked a lot on here over the years, but especially in the last six months, about what the grown, the ass, and the man parts of that sentence yeah, mean. No, yeah, for sure. But especially the man parts of that sentence. Yeah. And I'm not asking you to give any answers on this, but I am curious, how are you feeling in that part of you these days? Um, I Which think is a vulnerable question. So as much or as little as you want to share. I, I'm, 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 is this the masculinity question? Basically. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah. Those, are, those are getting progressively easier for me because I think it is my role as a man to be cool with being wrong. Mm. Um, just like willing to acknowledge it or not even wrong, but like, uh, I think it's important to leave space open for the possibility of me not knowing. Yeah. Being unsure. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, that's been super helpful, uh, in classrooms, in relationships, in the interactions I have with people who may not have the privilege I have. I think a lot of times I'm just like, I might be wrong about that. And I've seen that like affect people. (laughs) <laughs> like it is where they're true. like oh I don't have to fist fight you yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well I guess we could talk about it you know <laughs> and I think um, that goes so far yeah 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 you can even if you still make the declarative statement be like but you know I'm not sure I might be wrong about here like correct me if I'm wrong like yeah it is the bare minimum, but it goes a really long way. Nothing yeah. is more effective than sounding like you know what you're talking about and ending with, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I do with relationship <laughs> advice. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, if you ask me to toxic as hell, get out of there, get out the house. But, but what you know, I, that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you know, that's yeah. your life. <laughs> I don't know. 
But yeah, that giving room for that unsureness mm-hmm. has been something that is new or like a, a, you have more comfort with. Where, now? where has that yeah. come up more, like in the more like intimate, personal, or in the creative, more professional work type space? A good example is when I moved to California. My idea of protecting women in my life, which I realized that statement already has like. <laughs> hella problematic parts to it, right? <laughs> like, uh, Which well, are what? What, what, what? Well, I would say like uh, the idea that a man has to protect a woman mm-hmm. and also the heteronormative perspective that like it is a man and a woman mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. the, those are the only roles. Uh, but I think specifically something that I was raised on in Chicago was like walk the woman to the car, walk the woman to her house, be this person that is a source of safety for her, right? Mm-hmm. There was a moment where I was like, yeah, I have to be security guard to the women in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I moved to the Bay and my whole idea of gender was changed, mainly because like I was just bigoted, a lot more bigoted than I am now. Mm. And I got there and Muggs was like, yo, you're bigoted. <laughs> let's talk about it <laughs> and then like a month later I'm like ooh <laughs> changing my shit up uh, but all to learn like uh, one of the first lessons I learned was like sometimes you're the person that women are afraid of sometimes <laughs> you know you being the person to walk them to their car is not necessarily the thing that's gonna make them feel safe mm-hmm. right or even coming down to like expecting them to be okay with you forcing yourself on their walk somewhere right, right? Mm-hmm. right. being Doing aware it, of yeah. that and being aware of my own privilege in that situation and my own like you know and there's also a whole nother aspect to that like being black and being feared is also a thing being able to like recognize my privilege acknowledge it and do what I can to look out for others outside of my community I think uh, makes it easier for people to become a part of my community um, mm-hmm. and that's been a huge uh, grown ass man moment I can think. you say that one more time I'm that gonna try last, that's just the last sentence the, like- I think acknowledging my own privilege and um, uh, sounded like I was gonna do it right it's okay if you don't I think what's important to welcome people into the community is to show them that you recognize your own privilege mm-hmm. in, in terms of your relationship with them mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh there was a time where I was like, I want to teach everybody not to be a racist, right? Without realizing, first, I got to learn not to be homophobic. First, I need to learn how not to be transphobic. First, I need to learn how to not be, like, super misogynist all the time with the people in my life. <laughs> like, And as I'm learning that lesson, I'm realizing teaching that lesson to other cis men in my community, all of a sudden, the black women in my community or the trans women in my community, trans people, the you know, there, there are other people within the black community that do feel alienated and are outcasted. And the more I do to understand how I can treat them better, the more they're a part of the community and the bigger the community is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what were some of those provocations that challenged you towards learning? When I learned the word intersectionality, ah. uh, ding, that ding, was, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, and like also, hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> so intersectionality <laughs> as well as uh, oppression Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. Because like intersectionality is like, oh, everything's an intersection. And, you know, some people meet here and mm-hmm. some people, you know, crash mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. this is how it works, right? Uh, and then there's like <laughs> the oppression Olympics that I feel like people do when they're like, yeah, but mine's worse, right? Mm-hmm. And I think— Has that yeah. been a sketch yet? Has anybody done the oppression Olympics? I'm sure. But oh don't tell God. nobody. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, but you but when, you, when you think about it, like the way people talk about their experience is often like, yeah, you went through this, but right. I went through this. Or I cannot be held accountable because I go right. through this. Right. And I think for me, um, it's important to— 
recognize that the things that people are saying about their experience are valid, first and foremost. Acknowledging that their experience is different from mine and also uh, reaffirming that my situation is very important to me. Mm. Um, And because of that, I don't need to do the oppression Olympics. However, you know, there are some people who are like, I stubbed my toe and that makes me like you, black man. And I'm like, (laughs) fuck out of here. But I have like reasons for that because first I have to acknowledge their point. Okay, you did stub your toe. You are in pain. What'd you stub your toe on? A diamond. Do you see the difference there? (laughs) Right? You have diamonds. I don't have diamonds. Let's talk about capitalism. Stub my toe on some coal. (laughs) Exactly. It is not the same. And it starts like the more you listen to people, one of my friends, uh, a slam poet told me uh, you can't make fun of a poem properly if you don't listen to it hmm. and I think like a lot of times people come up to me with bullshit and I'll be like I'm gonna listen real hard <laughs> you know I'm gonna start with the part that makes the most sense I'm gonna work my way back to how you want some bullshit <laughs> yeah. and then you know from there we can uh, actually have a conversation so to that point as someone who has had to listen to a lot of Poems in progress. What you want to say? But it's not. I I watched you pause. Poems in progress and poets (laughs) in progress. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to implement that on the craft end and as a teacher? And then also, like, what is what are the lessons that you've learned about how to be a better person from (laughs) engaging with poems that aren't that good for ten years? I think a lot of people judge poems based on whether or not they quote unquote like it. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and like speaking to J. Cole like I would always be like oh he always repeats words and that's how he rhymes and like I would like walk people through biggie or big pun and like that's not fair but like <laughs> like I would I would put people would be like J. Cole is the best and I'd put him up against with other rappers I would say like here are different ways of rapping here's what it is to be super lyrical here's what it is to be a rapper here's where it started now tell me where J. Cole fits in and I've had students come up to me and be like you're misunderstanding that he's doing many different types of rhymes before he gets to the end of the line. So you're mm-hmm. judging him on this part, but you're not actually acknowledging all this. This was, I be, imagine, a, like a workshop? Yes, definitely. And like the, the lyrics are on the page? Right. Mm. And in that moment, like this, this student proved me wrong. And if I would have been like, nah, fuck that and fuck you, J. Cole's whatever, that would have ruined a really good teachable moment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and also I wouldn't have learned. And there was something you weren't seeing. Because exactly. you were trying to base it on whether you liked it or not. Right. In order to like rank it. So yeah. so like I hear that as learning how to evaluate people based off what they're trying to do as opposed to like how I receive it. Like, oh, I appreciate that that exercise. There yeah, there's <laughs> more to it than just what they're putting on paper. Right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah. But also in terms of like just like bad poems, I think like most people again, like they they would rather be like, I don't like that instead of this is what that was trying to do and whether or not they succeeded in that process. And I think Hmm. the worst kind of poem is the poem where you sound like someone else. Hmm. Um, The best Mm -hmm. kind of poem is where you clearly articulate how you're feeling or you give somebody the spark where they feel like they also were there with you. You know what I mean? And I think that's more important than like whether or not it's quote unquote good, you know? Yeah. Who did your poem sound like when you were younger? Ooh, so. Because I think everyone kind of wears their influences for a while. I was a huge Richard Pryor fan growing up. (laughs) So, like, for me, it was more about, like, I saw spoken word as, like, you'd be flipping through the spoken word thing in, like, the record store, and it would be, like, Richard Pryor, Mm -hmm. name redacted, name redacted, and then it'd be a poet, like Gil Scott Heron. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or uh, 
uh, Nikki Giovanni. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so for me, it was just an easy transition where I was just like, oh, I'll just take the things I learned from comedy and put that into poetry. Right. Um, which was weird for folks because they were like, that's not <laughs> what we're doing here. What are you <laughs> Wrong open mic, buddy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but that is true. If it's you're doing spoken word and you went to the spoken word section, you're like, oh, I guess this is what spoken word is. Yeah. 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 YCA was, and also comedy is really poetic if done in a certain way. Especially on some prior shit. Yeah, yeah, you think yeah, of yeah. the yeah. way... Oh, what was that God. line we saw where he was like, he went into the woods yeah. and he said it was not a funny line. Yeah. That's so he was right. just describing we do it now. We do he was it just now. describing the scene <laughs> yeah. to get to whatever was gonna be yeah. the funny part of the story. Right. But he just said one of the most abstract but like real things about like the, ah here. Shit. Let's take a little, Let's take prior, a little prior, prior break. This is from the special after the breakdown when he came back. <laughs> My father taught me about like the great outdoors. You know, he he loved like the woods and shit and nature. Something because I still dig it today. You know, I used to love to go, like my father take me fishing and hunting. I like to go hunting with him, but I hated being the dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, because my father didn't have no patience. You know what I mean? He just lose his temper. God damn it, chase the rabbit this way. Well, what the fuck you chasing the rabbit back that way? Get your ass in the car. We ain't gonna never eat. Get your ass in the car. You don't have to chase no goddamn but it was something about nature, man, and he taught me about to be in the woods and just the sounds you would hear would be so different. You ever notice how quiet you get when you go in the woods? It's almost like you know the gods are there, right? You be quiet. Be... Leaves be crinkling on your feet. Something about nature, right? Just makes you want to shit. I think that's a perfect that's example yeah, of what we're yeah. talking about. How that wasn't that, that wasn't the line. But the but line of like this about nature that makes you feel like God is mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. is not a comedian. That is poetry. And the des the description of the leaves crackling. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm Even the yeah yeah. yeah. So, For those listening, first of all, you should just watch that whole special. I believe it's on Netflix. What I love about that is that he comes out during the intermission. Yeah. Like, he doesn't wait for the lights to come down. Like, people are still going to their seats. And he just walks out on stage and starts doing his act. Yeah. Which is, like, the gutsiest way to start a performance. And there's a whole other thing about, like, him returning after him coming out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that, like, he did the first show and it did not go. Yeah. They t this is the second yeah. taping. They couldn't <laughs> yeah. use any of the footage yeah. from the first taping. He yeah. bombed. And then yeah. he came back with the same material. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the confidence that it takes yeah. to come back with the same material in a special that just bombed? Yeah. And have like the best thousands of time. people paid all their money and all of them white. You know what I mean? Except for Huey Newton. Huey was Huey Newton. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, that's, you know, no. Oh man, I'm, I'm like, right this place. is so ill. Like yeah, this is yeah. so, history. So, so now you, that we're doing, you imagine this. you just like sitting in the audience, you just get a shout out. <laughs> yeah. it be so, so you were heavily influenced, and you're like, let me just heavily. put this in a poem. And there's there's even like there's one specific sketch that he did. Uh, by the way, if you're gonna look up Richard Pryor, look up Richard Pryor, Maya Angelou. You're welcome. <laughs> in the Richard Pryor show, he had Maya Angelou come hmm. and be a part of the thing. And the first part is him in the bar and getting kicked out of the bar. And that part is hilarious, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. It's Richard being Richard. Uh -huh. Ah, get out of here. Uh -huh. Fuck uh -huh. you. Right? He That's leaves. And then he has to go home to his wife. I think I remember this. And as he's sleeping, his wife is like talking to him the way every black mother, every black, you know what I'm saying? It's just that moment where you're like, I know it's hard for you. Hmm. 
but like I'm here mm-hmm. and you can't see that I'm here with you. But anyway, the one sketch that actually got me like super into Richard Pryor and changed my whole opinion on poetry and like got me into poetry was um, his take on black humor and where it comes from. And mm. it started on a slave ship. The slave is rowing and he's like laughing about what it'll be like 300 years from now. And there'll be some black minstrel and that black minstrel will be the... Uh, the bicentennial nigga, right? Mm-hmm. And the bicentennial nigga's whole job is to tell you how happy. And he's happy. He's so happy, right? <laughs> I'm so happy you took my mom and sold her down the river. Oh, I miss her, but I bet you don't. You know, like, and it, like talking about like the slave ship and how many people died on the way here. And you could hear the whole audience like in the first part and they're just like, it's clear that they're all white. And it's clear <laughs> that everybody's like, ha! This is, I paid money for, I'm sad. Is this sad? Am I supposed to be sad? Is this, <laughs> yeah. is this okay? And and by the end of it, like, there's no laughter. It's just a room full of people sitting with slavery, mm. sitting with the repercussions of all this trauma, all mm-hmm. this oppression. Mm-hmm. And, like, and in what other room would they sit with it? You know what I mean? Especially in the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, all those right. people in that room, you can tell they were, like, really trying to have a good time. <laughs> and you could tell he fucked up a whole bunch of first dates. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I think, one of the moments where I was like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. How does he get out of the bit? Honestly, a lot of times he'll like lead you down that hole and then he'll wait a second, let you sit with it. And whenever he feels like it, he'll be like, so what the fuck is this nigga doing? You know what I mean? Like, he's like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's like, you need to laugh and I can also provide yeah, yeah. that. And yeah, I think being like an alchemist with other people's emotions is like, I don't think performance poets recognize the power in that enough. Hmm. You know, they see in me and what I'm doing because they're like, oh, that's like, clearly you're inspired by people who do that. But I think- if people took the time to realize what it is to perform, how that adds to your poetry, like, oh, how, right. how has that gone for you? I'm, I'm really curious of the struggle with that, right? Because, like, going back to, to how I opened up, you are received as such a, a comforter. I think. Like, a, like a blanket? <laughs> I, I fucks with those. That's yeah. okay. I'm really yeah, okay yeah, with that. Say, yeah, kind of. But, like, but like just in, in, in space and in the world, I'm not even talking about on the stage. But right? I even like, agree physically. Like, a hug from you yeah, is yeah. a comforting feeling. Yeah, yeah. I hug the shit out of somebody. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a top 10 hugger in the city. <laughs> and, and, like, what I hear you appreciating or admiring or striving to replicate is, like, intentional discomfort. I perceive that to be like a real conflict for you internally. Have you ever left a room silent in that type of way? That like, yeah. You're like, oh shit. I, I'll ruin <laughs> rooms all the time. Like I'll see. That's the thing. I think the difference between you know a person who is Richard Pryor and a person who is like inspired by Richard Pryor. Is like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a, a big difference. A small but important. Who, who was that? Who was that? Y'all, uh, y'all, <laughs> it's like not that deep. But y'all see uh, Omari Hedgwick like little moment so he did the thing where he like double kissed Beyonce in a way that looked weird and uh-huh. awkward and he's just kind of like a too serious weird and awkward dude yeah. who like moves weird and like the ghost character is kind of weird and like him. Yeah. yeah the way he moves in the world is just weird to me <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't know the nigga's weird I don't like it and so he was on Hot 97 like talking about the moment because like the internet had fun with it yeah. and like it's almost like he doesn't have the internet it doesn't get that people do that <laughs> <laughs> and so the point he was making was valid of like, these are people who would not do this if they saw me, yeah. right? But then he went further of like, 
people do not have the right to tell jokes. And he's like, unless you're Kevin, right? And he's talking about Kevin. And he's like, he's my friend, and I know that he's funny, and he knows how to do something. You are not Richard Pryor. <laughs> he said like three or four times about the <laughs> internet, that the internet is not Richard Pryor. And everyone's yeah, like, oh. but they watched a lot it's of like, Richard Pryor. Like, <laughs> okay, we're aware. We can also make, <laughs> you're, you're able to be made fun of, but I'm sorry. Yeah, that so just, the, that I, moment I'm with of you. <laughs> people who are Richard Pryor versus people, people right. who, are not. who are inspired by Richard and Pryor. And most people are not rich. Almost everyone. Just yeah, about everybody. Just about right. everybody, right. unless you're dead. But I think, yeah, like I think like for me, like when I walk into a room and I do like a harder poem, like for instance, I, I do a poem called Advice. Um, but like the whole poem is about like how people tell you not to wear hoodies, right? Mm. Um, but they don't tell you not to wear hoodies. <laughs> like, right. Daniel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, my point being just like, uh, they're just the way that people try to keep young black men safe uh, is also kind of racist. But in doing that poem, the first part is always like really funny because it's just a list of things you should not do. Do not wear this. Do not wear that. Do not do this. Do not do that. Uh, but the second I mention cops at all, people are like, but this is sad now. <laughs> you can like feel like their assholes shrinking yeah, into their bodies. Swear. Bodies. Yeah, the sphincter <laughs> just goes right back in. <laughs> and uh, I think like sometimes like it's really easy for me to like punch that and like have a really fun performance and then like look at the audience and be like, I got to do something else. Uh, but also, like, sometimes I'll be in front of, like, all-white audiences, and somebody will, like, hire me, like, yeah, we hired a poet. And I'm like, that's what you'll get. Mm-hmm. You right. wanted me here, so I'm going to do my set. And, like, mm. I see a room full of white people. I see a room full of people who can learn something, and you paying me anyway. Yeah. And I'll do the show, and, like, there will be people who come up to me, and they're like, yeah, I, I needed that. And there are other people who walk straight out. And then there's this weird middle ground <laughs> where people will come up to me and be like, I love that tall people poem. Or, you know, I love that poem about hoodies. Or, you know, I love that poem about work. And it's like, oh, so you didn't get the part about capitalism. (laughs) You didn't get the part about my own misogyny. You didn't get the part about, like, the way that black people are mistreated in the community, right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find where I can, like, be both enough that people understand both. Yeah. Um, And I think there are specific expectations around that kind of poetry that are different from comedy, right? So, like... People who went to a comedy show weren't expecting that kind of like mm-hmm. uncomfortable quiet. But I do think there's that weird thing around, you know, performance in poetry where there actually may be white people in the like room who want that. Yeah. <laughs> and that how do you deal with that weirdness of the like the self-flagellating liberal <sighs> who's like, I'm so great for being at this poetry reading watching you perform. And let me tell you my entire story yeah. of, of how racism has affected me, actually, because well, I care. <laughs> And let me prove to you I'm not and the bad one. I'm like one. sweating just yeah, hearing those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, you know, I... And my parents are way worse than me, and they don't get it. And I try to tell them all the time, so it's so hard. So that's why I came to Chicago. I'm not gentrifying. I just <laughs> right. live there. And it and just, not, I don't know. So, what, you know, you've performed in probably a lot of those places. What are some tools you've learned to navigate that conversation other than just not really listening? You've been to Wisconsin. <laughs> I've been to all of them. I've been You've been to the Wisconsins of the world. I've been to the Wisconsins of the world. I'm a card carrying visitor. So there's you played all the white utopians yeah, exactly. at that point. Yeah. I'd beat up on all of them. Uh, Ann Arbor, Amherst, Asheville. You're just naming. Also with A's. I'm going alphabetically. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good choice. Ashland, Oregon. I <laughs> right. see what else. You you answer the question. I'll keep thinking yeah, yeah, about some ahead. more A's. Anchorage, uh, Alaska. <laughs> Maybe That's... time to get to your Berkeley's. <laughs> oh, but Ber- I just did a yeah, show on Berkeley. Uh-huh. Uh, but actually, I, I love Berkeley Poetry Slam. I was part of that for a long time. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of self-flagellating, uh, yeah. like, like like the monks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But 
for me, uh, there's a crisp line now where I can just be like, I don't feel like teaching people anymore. It's my job. It's what I do. I teach people when I don't want to anyway. It's labor that I don't have the time for uh, in every part of my life, right? <laughs> Therefore, I have to pick and choose those moments. So, like, there will be shows where I'll, like, do a show and some white lady will come up to me afterwards and be like, hey, uh, that one poem you did about gentrification, it's so good. Let me tell you how I'm not that. And, like, in some cases, maybe they're flirting with me. Maybe they're just trying to find a way to talk to me. Maybe there's whatever. But in them doing that, like, they always end up telling on themselves. Mm-hmm. So I just repeat those things back to them. <laughs> so, for instance, like, oh, I'm not, like, a gentrifier. I, I live in Humble Park. But, like, you know, I've lived there for 10 years. And I'd be like, 10 years? Wow, it was different 10 years ago. And they'll be like, well, yeah, but, you know, it's better now. And I'm like, yeah, a lot more people that look like you are there mm-hmm. now. And they'll be like, well, no, I mean, (laughs) I didn't have anything to do with that. And I'm like, have you called the police in the last 10 years? (laughs) Or is there, is there like, do you support the stores in your neighborhood? Do you know your neighbor's name? Yeah. Is any of that registering at all? And most of the time they get like super defensive and then I have to walk away. And I think like, I'm tired of that interaction in general. So nowadays I'll just kind of be like, nod, nod. I'm going to talk to this person now. Mm -hmm. Um, part of me wants to be able to like go into large groups of white people and teach but I also realize that a lot of my work is already doing that and that's not necessarily where I want my legacy to to land you know what I mean where white people are looking at it and going he was good I think what I'm doing now is looking at my work and going okay what can I do to like look back into my own communities and help people understand their privilege within my community you know Mm -hmm. what I mean Um, but then also understanding my place you know as a mixed kid you know what I mean like I also have a responsibility to, I, I feel I have a certain con, uh, mm-hmm. uh, responsibility to do this work um, and to do the work of teaching people. But I feel like I would do a much better job teaching people like me who look like me uh, how to be better to the people within our community than to teach people who are already oppressors how they can become less oppressive. Because in a lot of times I feel like when I teach people how to be less oppressive, you're also teaching them how to keep power yeah mm-hmm. how to couch their yeah. complicity and I, i'm not sure i want to give them that either you know yeah. mm-hmm. i think most mm-hmm. times i'm just like if you show me that you're doing the work i'll do the work with you mm-hmm. but if you're not doing the work then i'm gonna you know keep it over here to people i think actually need this can yeah. i ask you about a clarifying thing that you just said sure which was you said i have a responsibility and then you started over and said i feel like i have a responsibility yeah that was just an interesting thing to watch because I do think that sometimes that kind of responsibility, whatever it is, can feel externally imposed. Like, you know, and in some of the conversation about like, you need to go, you know, talk to your racist uncle or talk to your, the guy in the bar, whatever that is, not to negate that. But that is, I think like there's limits to the usefulness of that external responsibility being put on because there's limits to what people can do. Right. But you were saying that like, it's something that you feel. What is at the the core of that feeling of responsibility, do you think? It used to be, I think, that, like, there was some part of me that was like, if I just get white people to understand, then maybe. And then, you know, I moved to the Bay and realized that there's just a lot of other people who are being outcasted and uh, assaulted. And, you know, there's just all these people that I'm perpetuating their oppression. Right. 
And like, if I looked inward and spent half as much time on myself as I do on white people, I would get twice as much done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the work I've been doing to like teach myself and to learn and like honestly learning from people who are willing to teach me. Every time somebody like takes the time to teach me how I've been wrong or how I'm bigoted has been a way that I've been able to be like, okay, now I have that energy for somebody else. <laughs> and I think in that way, I have a responsibility. Um, I don't have a responsibility to hurt myself on somebody else. I don't have a responsibility to like be someone's book or someone's Google. Um, I used to save like links and links and links and links and links that I would just send out to racists on the internet. You know what I mean? But they don't read those. <laughs> no, they they don't, don't read. read. If they read, they wouldn't be like this. You Probably, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or they're like, there was too many commas in that <laughs> that paragraph. Right. This they're is absurd. Like, you know how they I'm are a, with I'm, all their commas. I'm, a, I'm offended by all these pauses. <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't, I don't have. This is harming me now. Right. <laughs> you know how many times that's a, that's a choppy sentence? That's a reverse racist line break. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I, I, there's so many. There's so many things you just said that, that I want to go deeper into the one something I, I've wrestled with in some spaces and we were even talking about yeah. off the air about like the idea of like is this someone else's work is this my responsibility I really want to like keep a placeholder on that and like stretch that out but the thing that, that I heard you say that almost feels unique in a surprising way is naming that responsibility in position of being as you said a mixed kid mm-hmm. and I feel like I've never heard that because similar like Chris was saying the like oh get your family usually means like the progressive well-to-do yeah. white kid who is not experiencing the harms of anti-blackness, yeah. addressing those who are benefiting or maybe actively perpetuating anti-blackness, right? Uh, but from the position of, you know, is mixed kid okay to say as a non-mixed kid? Yeah, no, kid? yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> also, hard to offend yeah, a mixed welcome kid. Welcome to my... <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you said it. Some of my students would be like, some of my light students would be like, that's some light skin shit. Y'all on some light skin shit. And like, it's taken a long time for me to be like, okay. <laughs> I'm not experiencing oppression in this moment. I am actually exhibiting light-skinned feelings. It's, it's, it's not even bullying. It's funny as hell. Right, right, Chill. Right, right. <laughs> but there's like two complications to that, right? Like feeling that need to do the work of there being a closer relationship to, to whiteness, mm-hmm. but then also you're experiencing the harm. So it is then like a double burden. But then also what I just heard you say, and like the light-skinned thing is... Sometimes the like mixed connotation has been a way to like be internally anti-black, right? Because mm-hmm. the way blackness has worked in my understanding in this country is like, yeah, we all have European ancestry in some way, or we, you know, the one drop rule was instituted for a reason, right? Like Ooh. blackness is a a wide spectrum. So even if you have a white parent or European family, you just you, have you, yeah. there is <laughs> so <laughs> closer direct. So that's a, so that was like, Kristen Franklin. Yeah. If you want to. Yeah. Continue that conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. in with some of the context. That's a great episode to go back to. Yeah. So that was a whole lot. It was yeah. not a question. Uh <laughs> it was just I was I was I was struck by you saying that. But yeah, I hearing that the relationship to whiteness as a as a mixed person and then feeling like the need to do work, but now questioning if that is your work. It's just what work am I doing? You right. Know what right. I mean? right. Yeah. So what work are you doing? What is the active external work? There are moments with my students, and I feel weird sometimes being like my students because uh, I work with students in such a small capacity. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm there for like three months. I'm like, let's get the slam team together. And at one point, I'm like, please stop saying that. It's very bigoted. <laughs> and then I teach, and then like they move on. And I think it's hard to like hold on to relationships with some of my students. So I, I feel weird like doing that. But anyway, a big part of the work that I think it's important for me to do is, um, with young people. If young people are looking for guidance, then I'd like to be that. 
I also don't think that I need to force my opinion on them or my politics on them. But I do ensure that there is like a, a that we respect each other. Right. Hmm. Having said all that, I think like a big part of my job is to um, show people how I want to be respected, but also how I think people should be respected and giving people and those how boundaries. people should respect. You know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think like, you know, ultimately that's up to them. But I think in giving them a model, at least there's somewhere to start. Hmm. I, I also think a big part of my job, like I didn't really realize until recently, but somebody was like, you have things that these students don't. You have resources that these communities don't. And because you have those resources, you need to share them shits. If you don't, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how can you say you're doing the work? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Big Kid Slam is a huge, uh, just in that, like, providing a space for people intentionally is important. But I also think, like, providing spaces for people, like, I'm not going to lie, y'all. One of my favorite parts about my life and my whole life is that I get hella free art supplies. Mad markers. If you need some Posca markers, I have some. I got a bag full of them. I'm just going to shake it. <laughs> markers. Mad wow. Posca markers. You really markers. know how to work for audio. That <laughs> was strong. And that was on mistake. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I didn't even mean to bring that. Uh, <laughs> just got one Why do you get so many free markers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I do like a lot of like, like. that is not a typical plug. privilege. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's what you do, then the, the supplies pop up, you know? Uh-huh. And people will get like grant money or they'll get this or they'll get that. And they'll be like, teach your students. I'll be like, cool. And then I'll be like, do you want these markers? And they'll be like, I don't need them. Then I'll have them. <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, that's okay. Or 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 even worse, they'll be like, uh, like I'll do a show or I'll do something like a community mural or something. And we'll like paint by numbers and everything's done. And they'll be like, yeah, we don't need those markers. You're not going to see any of these students again. So here. Now that I have all those resources, right, I'm like, I could just sit on these and make a whole bunch of paintings and that'd be great. Or I can invite everybody I know or everybody in the community to like meet up with me at YCA and paint, you know, if you, if you want to learn how to use these markers, come holler at me. Otherwise use these markers. I got hella stickers. Uh, lately, um, Nicole from YCA has been doing a whole, like a just fucking fantastic job of providing space for visual artists there. Hmm. Uh, and she hit me up and was like, yo, do you want to like have a procreate workshop? So we brought all the iPads out and I got to teach people how to make collages on iPads. You know Mm. what I mean? And that's just like a small thing. But in reality, like when people start to do that, they're like, oh shit, I could be a visual designer. (laughs) And then they start like making their own flyers and that Mm -hmm. automatically like puts you in a position of power. Like Mm -hmm. small, but like Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay the money, you know? And And your flyer won't be terrible, which is often the case. And then you can maybe make flyers to someone else and do that. Exactly. I want to play a little game. Let's do it. A little random insert game. (laughs) So getting a bunch of free markers is a very particular, unique privilege. Yeah. I would like to round robin, go around until we can stop. Unique privileges? Unique privileges. So you, you, you got an advantage. You get to start first. Yeah. You get to say your markers, then go, and then... Recording studio access? Ah. The DMV plug is my unique privilege. My my dad got clout with the security guard, so I just I skate the line. I just got my license renewed. It took me fifteen minutes. I'm like actually in and out the door. I'm actually upset with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a big one. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, free booze at shows. Hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say free tickets to thing like the yeah. ability to get into things for free. A space, I would say. Mm-hmm. Bring the room. I can I can do what I want. The opportunity to be unprepared for things. Ah. I think sometimes I'll get opportunities to do stuff and I'll be like, I am not prepared for that. That is like a reach for me. And I think there are a lot of other people who are like, that's a reach down for me and I'm still waiting on my opportunity. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I think that's definitely one to acknowledge. 
being comfortable writing language in like many, many different ways. A job that doesn't hold me accountable almost at all. <laughs> God damn! Like, I'm not you getting, really don't care. You on the radio like, they don't give a shit about me. I think it'll be long enough by the time this gets to them. Uh, I love them. They love me. And it's it's great. <laughs> I hope you ain't no bus driver. Or yeah, it's not like I'm getting paid like a whole lot. He's a pilot. Right. <laughs> That's oh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I would say... Um, oh, that's so funny. The ability to travel. I've yeah, noticed yeah, that like yeah, yeah, yeah. now I can just go wherever I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This will be the last round, one, two, and three. I can sit in a hotel lobby and nobody bugs me. They assume I'm supposed to be there. <laughs> free Wi-Fi, free outlets, usually some sort of some uh, like fruit water or, or an, coffee. An egg or yeah, something. So far, I'm the most upset about DMV privileges yeah, 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 and yeah. the fact that you could just sit in hotels and nobody tells yeah, you nobody there's, not, be there. there's not a black doorbell who's so, going to come and jiggle his keys at you. <laughs> Damn no, it. if anything, there's a hand wave yeah. <laughs> with an entrance. Can I help you with it? Um, <laughs> I have no bags. The, the travel. The- <laughs> Do you know how many crises? I'm sorry. Do you know how many crises I would have avoided yep. if I had a bathroom to just- shit in? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you just walk into a hotel and they're like, "That looks like somebody who might tip me." Like yeah. the only time it, that that privilege is not extended is when you're in like Times Square. Like yeah. the most tourists, they're like, I don't give a fuck what your systemic privilege is. You are not using our bathroom. <laughs> Get out of here, Sven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to Stockholm if you want to take a shit. I would say uh, an occasionally, it's not, not happening this year, but occasionally free black cruise. I, there's there's this black cruise that my dad performs on that I get to go to sometimes. Cruise, like boat cruise. Uh, actual cruise, but the entire ship is black people with a curated entertainment for the week. Damn, so that sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That was enough of us. That was a good game. Privilege. That was a good I game. I like that game. Random unique we should privilege. Play, let's play that game more. <laughs> and I didn't have game. to challenge my actual privilege at all. Yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, as yeah. an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. <laughs> so with the time we have left, I want to kind of open it up to you. We've talked about a whole bunch of shit. We haven't really done the like backstory of where you came up and all that we stuff. We have to document the name origin doesn't have to be right now no that's Sorry, fine I so cut you off, no, no, but that fine. has to happen so we're gonna get that <laughs> so the the idea of the show is we are building like an archive in people's own words so that 5 10 15 20 50 years from now when people are trying to understand chicago and the creative and the social movement community here they know people's stories in their own words mm-hmm. are there any like themes or things that like if this is the way that you are being heard then you want to make sure we talk about free arts programming I feel like I would not have done any of the shit I've done uh, if it wasn't for Young Chicago Authors, Gallery 37, Kumba Links, Marwin, all them, the the little street classes, them cooking classes that random people throw in their houses. What's Marwin? I don't, I don't uh, know about. It's a visual artist downtown. Ooh, it's a, it's like um near Northside, like River yeah. West. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's yeah. new for me. After Eve did some matters. stuff with them. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, here's the list we got so far. We got YCA, Gallery 37, Marwin. It's in Lilla Street, KL. Yeah. Kumbling, yeah, uh, uh, Connect Force. And any, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anybody, but like they're just like all these really fantastic arts programs that have happened over the course of the last 20, 30 years that raised me. I mean, like my mom, uh, super into theater, and my dad, super into visual stuff. I, I've grown up needing to put that energy somewhere <laughs> and having an opportunity to like go to like take random writing workshop classes at Young Chicago Authors. Honestly, like, me and damn near everybody else that runs through there, you get to a certain point where you look at the world around you and you're like, I don't fit here. And after the world, you just feel like leaving, you know? And I think, like, 
if it wasn't for programs like Young Chicago Authors and uh, After School Matters at Gallery 37 and Kumba Links, like, I would not be here, you know? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had the—I wouldn't know the music I'm aware of. I wouldn't know the art I'm aware of. I wouldn't have the politics I have. I wouldn't have the friends I have. I wouldn't have the community I have. I wouldn't understand my place in the world. I think it's vitally important to have arts programming for youth that doesn't cost anything um, and shows that they can go to and things that they can do. I would not have any of the— uh, I would not have any of the clout or the life that I have yeah. without, uh, without those programs. Let's play a second game that mm-hmm. relates to that. Mm. It's alternate universe toaster. Yeah. So there, I want to do two alternate universes. One is the one where you never go to oven. any of those things. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, ba- no. Bad joke. Terrible No, it's joke. cool because I'm trying to think of where the oven would we'll, – we'll, we'll work it out. We'll workshop it. We'll work it. <laughs> yeah. So there's that one, the alternate universe toaster where you didn't go to any of those programs. The other is you still went – but you made a different choice and now you're doing something that isn't the arts. What would you be doing? I have those prepared. You ready? You yeah. ready for this? So uh, when I was born, I came out the womb like, <laughs> I'm going to be on the Bulls. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I'm going to be, I'm going to go to Duke, right? I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like yeah, basically yep. Zion's story, right? Like that's <laughs> that's me. And it didn't happen. So I think like there was a freshman year of high school where like uh, I didn't make the team and I just quit. Right. And I knew I could go back and try out more and like try and do that. But like in a moment, I was like, it really fucked with me. I was like, damn, I really should have pursued that. That was a huge dream of mine. I didn't pursue. But low key, if I had made that team, then I would have been on a team. Sorry if y'all listening, but St. Patrick's High School, which is an all boys, all white, all Catholic school. I don't know how they're doing things now, but when I was there, it was bad. What, what year you graduate? Uh, uh, supposed to be 07. <laughs> Great point. I, I, you I'll know say, Justin Pagan? Maybe. Okay, never mind. Uh, but low-key, like, I would <laughs> I would leave that school and watch kids from Steinmetz come over and kick the shit out of the kids who called me nigger <laughs> with a hard R, right? Mm. So, like... You know, Had first of all, Steinmetz, yeah, I love Steinmetz, <laughs> always and forever. If they want me to come do some workshops, like, let you me know. To, I'll come through. You go to their reunions, yeah, I swear, yeah. And like the amount of like, uh, they they had a slam team too. It was so you pivotal. Have, you have that. a class yeah. ring from there. Yeah, swear to God, swear to God, I love them niggas. Uh, I always have, always have, always will. Like whenever somebody's like, I'm from Steinmetz, I'm like, yep. bless you, yeah, bless you and your whole family. <laughs> and they would always like tip their hat to me too. They're like, see you later, nigga. I'd be like, peace. <laughs> I'm the only one in khakis. Whatever. That's <laughs> but anyway, uh, so uh, if I would have followed that and, like, let's say I had achieved my dreams and I would made the team and I had done that thing, I think I would have had a lot less reason to give a shit about people mm-hmm. and their feelings mm-hmm. and, like, what's important to them and, like, mm-hmm. privilege and shit like that. So I think for me— That really resonates. Yeah, like, I, I have this community that I that understands me, that feels me. Like, I'm living with two of my best friends and, like, I wouldn't have the things that I think I'm most grateful for in life. So I think— uh, Missing out on that is okay. So the second, the yeah. universe, uh, when I moved to California, I got like a jobby job, like a real job. What and was they, the gig? They put me on a fast track too. And I'm not, I'm not even going to lie. Like those folks were, they were great people and they had, they were looking out for me in a way that I wasn't really prepared for. I didn't understand. Because hmm. uh, I didn't understand privilege like that. But uh, I got a job working for a, um, a nonprofit that's whole job was to get people voter ready and also prepared for jobs. And like, um, whenever people would come into the hood and they were like, yeah, we're going to do this. They'd be like, you got to hire them over there. Mm -hmm. If you don't hire from this community, you can't do that work here. Mm -hmm. Uh, which 
types of organizations like that in the Bay are baffling to me because in Chicago, I don't know, niggas get stepped on. But it was cool to see that uh, and be a part of that, but also that wasn't me. So they got me another internship at the <laughs> Public Utilities Commission. And I was like working at a desk in a nice office, getting money that I haven't had before with health insurance, everything. shirts and shit. It was sweet. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? No, and you I, could have been in the Public Utilities Commission for a minute. Too. Fucking hated it. I hated it. And I, I quit. Like, I didn't quit. Like, they, the program ended and I was done. And the guy, like, all at the top office was like, hey, you didn't come back, I noticed. What's up with that? And, like, mm. other people were mad jealous. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to do this. Wow. I don't want to do any of this. And like I would like in that program, like we had to go to the police station and I had to be a chaperone for black youth at a police station where they talked about why they should be police officers. And like the whole time I'm sitting there, like, don't ask me nothing. I won't say nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and before I could, one of the cops was like, you know, you could do it. And I was like, do what? <laughs> like, you know. And he was like, you can it's- be a cop. You know all the information that I'm, like, for some reason, you know all the things that I'm trying to tell them. And I'm like, from the opposite end, yes. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, all you have to do is cut off your hair and stop doing drugs. And I was like, first of all, you don't know me. And second of all, I ain't cutting off no. my hair. Or stopping doing drugs. Right. <laughs> how dare fuck you? you? Fuck how I look like stop doing drugs in California. You know what I'm saying? Like That's absurd. Whatever. Oh, that's uh, but, like the worst option. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think like there was a moment where like he was like $90,000 a year. Yeah. And if I had like followed either the, you know, the one union or another in that scenario, I would have been super set financially. And I think I also would have hated myself in a way that I can't really repair. Don't get me wrong. People who are working in the Public Utilities Commission in San Francisco are doing some great things. What is that? Uh, So So it's it's a commission about getting people's utilities on? It was basically like, uh, you know, I'm forgetting now. It was five, ten years (laughs) ago, and I put that shit on my brain. I was just wondering, because I I worked at ComEd, and I was wondering. It's like that. Okay. It's like that. I did a summer intern, and like the story is exactly the the guy was hitting me back. Like, hey, you know, we got a job for you. I was like, yeah, like you could really be somebody. I cannot do this. The way y'all climb the ladder. Right. Here's what I knew because I have a very similar relationship I was able to like talk to the executives and mm-hmm. all that they, they fucked with me at, at Comet and I was actually in a pretty cool department overall in terms of like my politics it yeah. was the um I forget the exact name, but like the assistance program, yeah. right? So basically working with all the different county branches for folks who will be getting their lights cut off. Yeah. I basically was running the spreadsheet of like mm-hmm. helping them get assistance and like- So their lights get cut off basically. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. keeping people's lights on, right? Right. And yeah. like m- monitoring that on a day-to-day basis and like who missed their- And then you call the aid and like it was okay work. You couldn't stand on that, you and, know. And, that's, yeah, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm out here, you know, profiting off people's pain. So that, that was cool. But every morning- my little department boss, we had to have a safety meeting because the whole company has to do it because people die doing the wi- the wires. So like, they're all about the safety. And like, oh man, I no laugh thinking like you were talking about like emotional safety, but you mean actual real life that, safety. No, so real, there's two sure. parts of the company. It's people who like are doing dangerous work and then there's people who are working at computers all day. So it's very similar to that office this episode. This is that safety training episode <laughs> of the office. And so we Carpal have to do, tunnel we have to do safety yeah. stuff. So it can be, so we're yeah. working at an air conditioned office so they have to make up shit. So one time, the <laughs> the boss <laughs> was talking about bad driving on her way to work oh um, as the safety meeting. <laughs> and she said, somebody in front of me was talking on the phone while they were driving. I called the cops and gave them their license plate number and reported them to the police. And was like proud of it. It was like telling us the story of like how she did an effort wow. of safety. 
and like that was the moment of like I did I don't fuck with y'all. Like this is <laughs> slightly this is unrelated. Does sugar be. in a gas tank work still? <laughs> did they figure out how to change that, or is that like a thing you can do to people? Oh my like, god! Because I don't, I just don't want her to drive no more. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I was god. like, I can't fuck with you. Are the worst now. You yeah. have been so nice to me. <laughs> black woman like you know i want to i want to revere you right and that's what like corporate culture either brings out of people or promotes is is somebody who will call the cops can you imagine just first of all she was on her phone in traffic yes first and foremost Um, second of all imagine you can't call the cops if you're not on the phone exactly i i I I hate people i am (laughs) i am in the court of fuck the police right like i might not be the fuck (laughs) fuck the police king but I have, I have a title. You're definitely a duke in that motherfucker. You got <laughs> the world. But fuck the police. But I'm going to even look at it from their side of getting a call of somebody saying, yeah, I'm on 294 at mile whatever. Yeah. Could you try to find somebody to find this license? Hell no. Because somebody kind of like veered a little bit. Ah, oh, just thinking about it gives me the... And I didn't even have no abolitionist, nothing at that point. I was just like, ugh, that's the most snitch of this shit. That is an underrated part of how shitty the cops are is how bad the calls that the cops get. Yeah. Think about <laughs> like, the, like the noise complaint. Right. Because that's part of the, yeah. the terrible right. job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, God, the, the stupid shit that they must get was actually, I just saw in California coming out of all the like permit patty shit and all that. Now there's a bill that someone can sue the person who calls the cops for wrongly I would and love racistly that. calling the cops on I them. would welcome that. Yeah, which is a fascinating like way yeah, of using We need more law degrees because Every... that, that is a path towards reparation. <laughs> just like taxing right. everybody calling the cops. I would. We just get, we just get a trillion dollars yeah. <laughs> in a, a fiscal year. If you need a face <laughs> for the, you know, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. Oh let my me, God. Please let me be a part of that. <laughs> That's progress. a oh my, you oh my God. All right. Oh. Let, let's pivot a little bit, but stay with you. Yeah. Pivot. Yeah. Um, Pivot. <laughs> I love uh, them niggas. <laughs> Aren't they the best? <laughs> They're just the best. I love them. Oh my god, I love them so much. I just want to like. I just want to. Just want to hug them, them and want them to be everything that they want. Talk about a comforter. Yeah, yeah. The name. I. I we, we have to document it. This is almost Belle Biv DeVoe adjacent. Yeah. Do you know the story? No. I do not. And oh, I think man, the world is real to disappointing. Forever. It's real. That's disappointing. just as good. That <laughs> doesn't have to be a good story. No one said this has to be a good that story. That is just as good. I love disappointing nickname origins. Uh, so when I was going to St. Pat's, uh, like, it was like, it was obviously my mother's choice, right? <laughs> it wasn't my choice. It's my mother's choice. And I was just like looking for an outlet I couldn't find when I finally got a scholarship through that school. And they were like, it was a writing scholarship. And my mom was like, wow, you're really into writing. So they got, she got me into like watching Deaf Poetry Jam. And like nah. I went to BNV nah. in 2003. And I was like, oh, this shit is this great. Is this is what I'm going to do. When it was here? It was here in 2003. Yeah. Like, we were in the room together. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because I literally watched Christiana go up on yeah, stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and crazy. so do you remember <laughs> when Avery jumped on stage and kicked that kid off the stage with the microphone stand? You don't remember that? Nah, th- I remember, Should I have not have said that on the radio? No, no, no. I, I, do, love Avery, I, I do remember... <laughs> Like the group that was about to win, basically doing a protest piece oh. that like got them that was disqualified. A, it was a while. But it I was, was in like, the Chicago Historical Society. Yeah, I was like yeah. nine. You know, yeah, right, so yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But my mom was sitting there like writing like to my dad because he's deaf, so she was like translating. Okay. So like she'd be like angry at her father, angry at her father, angry at her mother. <laughs> this is gonna be great, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sitting next to her like, you're damn right. Y'all got a lot of poems coming. <laughs> that uh, is a perfect blend of not funny and hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. 
and uh, somebody transcribe it's the beats of slam poems. You know what I mean? But then also like she, they're on stage like one. Like, what? This is a list. <laughs> she's done it my whole life. She's done it my whole life. Those are two of the most supportive people I know. In the but whole also world. that may, probably made her a really great yeah evaluator of poetry if she's like taking live time notes. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. I would. I would definitely give her the scorecard whenever she wants. <laughs> But uh, so like I saw all this happen and they had a booth like outside, like if you want to come to YCA, you know, whatever. So we signed up for it and uh, I get in and I get to the orientation and like I'm seeing like Kevin Koval and Tara Betts and like all these people that I've seen on Deaf Poetry Jam. And I'm like crying inside, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I want most stuff to say my name. <laughs> I would be broke for the rest of my life writing poems. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, Russell Simmons. <laughs> he I actually be, shouted me out once, oh, and I was like, "Good enough." I want to be on a Russell Simmons pet project. That's my <laughs> yeah, dream. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the first day, um, there's this person named Daphne. There's this person named Emily, and my homie Ellie, who I've known since like day one. And then uh, this person who I don't really feel like giving any attention to. So anyway, we're all hanging out, and like everybody is like uh, getting these nicknames from Daphne. She's going around. She's like, "I'm Kaz. You're Muffin. You're Snuggles." And sure enough, like 20 years later, I'd see him on the street and be like, snuggles? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> toaster! <laughs> like, everybody around us is like, what is wrong with these niggas? What but is they this? stuck. The nickname yeah, stuck. They stuck forever. But right? stuck for everybody? Uh, Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you are toaster. Right. Like, that's... And everybody else is that? Like, if I Snuggles put, or snuggles? For this episode, if I put Tim Henderson, people that would, would not be, listen. That would be absurd. Yeah, they probably... It, my Facebook changed real hard when I switched my name. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Real hard. And then I got into arguments with white people that thought I was somebody else. And I was like, gotcha. Uh, but so everybody's getting these nicknames and they come up to me and I'm like, look, just don't put big in there or little. That's all I care about, right? And they were like, uh. <laughs> you got me. I mean, Big Tim, Little Tim, there's so many. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. So like they couldn't think of one. So Tiny finally, Tim. Right, right. And I'm like, you could go by Moose, you could go by this, you got that. I got these nicknames. I've had nicknames my whole life. And they're like, nah, those don't work. Let's forget it. Oh. So Aww. we're just like, okay, well, let's just, you know, go hang out, I guess. So we're I just like, like heard the sad scrubs music. And I was like, like, sta- like, I was just like, all right, well, I'll, you know, I'll live, you know, whatever. Uh, and we we're like walking around Wicker Park getting food and stuff. And like, this is like one of the like first moments that I actually like got to get out the house and not be around my parents and be with people I didn't know. One of them started talking about the ska band that they wanted to go see called the Toasters. And I was like, that's the dumbest name I ever heard in my life uh-huh. and they're like why and I'm like I don't know it's stupid it's a toaster it's in your <laughs> kitchen That's why would you want to live your whole life named toaster <laughs> like there's no one in this world and finally like they were like is it that bad and I was like you know what honestly I wish nothing but terrible things for anybody named toaster I hope like I hope they you know I just said all this terrible shit and they were like I think we figured it out <laughs> I think you're gonna be toaster from here on out when keeping it real goes wrong <laughs> really wrong like all my life at this point my mom if she's in a large crowd and you know she can't really like you know tim timothy timothy wendell henderson <sighs> toaster <laughs> like, yep. uh like it was... we, that's something we don't think about the, the impact nicknames have on people's parents do you yeah. think do you think ludicrous's mom calls him luda <laughs> <laughs> i don't I, or like any of these that's, like, that's funny so because funny. his name is in it but people but call, him call him the part Chris. without the yeah, name yeah. i would i would i would hate to be ludicrous's mother because there's a lot to go over there you know oh what I mean? my god but also i would love to be ludicrous's mother because you know she rich right now i would yeah. think after crash yeah. at least that story <laughs> that crash buddy that, not the music that's the, that story was the opposite of disappointing 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm happy that you... That was a yeah. really great story because not only was it funny and interesting, it actually was like a very valuable life lesson. You uh, become what you, you know, were, uh, what you despise, uh, uh, a, yeah. A, a glue and... What was it? A uh, rubber and glue, glue. situation or yeah, yeah. one Point finger flick. out is three towards you type of thing. Like what yeah. you put out in the world, then you had to like take on. Yeah, all them shits. It worked out bad for me. Yeah, but, no, beautiful. But now it's... Yeah, now everybody's like, toaster. Everyone remembers my name before I can remember there, which is terrible for oh. me. Oh. You know what I mean? Because you're already on a memory. stage. Yeah. So even if, even if you were Tim to the world, which just feels you know ridiculous. What I mean? Yeah. Shout I, out to I Tim. thought like <laughs> I thought about no like, disrespect to, to Bob's, but. <laughs> but also my but, middle name is Wendell. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, Timothy yeah. Wendell Henderson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, oh that's... man. <laughs> so I've realized that I'm about to be late to this job. That doesn't hold me accountable. Yeah. But <laughs> so we have nothing to worry about. <laughs> but <laughs> I got really far to try oh, no. to get there too. But. It happened a few times in the conversation and it was part of like our pre-show discussion of folks who you are in legacy of, relationship to, that you don't want to affirm, but you are actively redacting. Yeah. What provoked that? Obviously, we we are going to walk the line of like talking about it without uplifting the people. But like what that that was very striking hearing you describe yeah, what's that the, and, and what's up with that. And what's the difference between canceling and redacting? Oh, we'll see. You made it a question. That's why we need two of us. I think uh, there are certain artists who do really important work that changes the world in a way that is very helpful. And people are complicated. You know what I mean? People can be both very, very good and harmful. Fucking awful, you know? It's important to acknowledge that. I I don't want to be a part of why they keep getting paid, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, like, at least in terms of, like, being on this fantastic radio show that I'd be listening to, like, I don't want to, like, have other people go, like, I do like Toaster, and I would like to check out things that Toaster likes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'll get sent down this road where they're looking up people that, like, they have to get disappointed in the same way I was. Um, mm-hmm. I'd much rather spend my time talking about, like, my values in politics and how to treat people uh, like we have been. Thank y'all. Uh, than to, like, you know, acknowledge people who are shitty. And also, you'll find their music. You'll find their TV shows. You'll find all their stuff. And you'll probably fall in love and also be really, really upset. And I think that's a part of it. The people in our communities that are doing the terrible things, sometimes also the people in our communities doing the wonderful things. And we have to acknowledge that, but also hold them accountable. And I think in terms of holding people accountable, yeah, there's a long list of people I'd like to (laughs) hold accountable. But like, I think it's the phrasing, you know what I mean? Like people I look up to can't do that one. You know what I mean? I think the people I look up to would be the students that I work with that, you know, find a way to talk about the things that are hard for them in a way that, I had a student this year take the time to write a poem about uh, their own trauma in a way that wouldn't re-traumatize other people. And mm-hmm. watching them go through that process is what I want to do. They think, they led that? Well, I, like we or, talked about it. Oh, like, okay. yeah. And I was like, is this how you want them to feel? And she was like, nah. So she rewrote it and rewrote it huh. and rewrote it. And we worked on it together. And by the time she did it, like she got what she needed from it. She was able to walk away going like, I don't feel bad doing it. And also I feel good knowing that I'm not affecting people in a way that like won't help. Right. When I see students doing that, I keep that. Um, mm-hmm. I think Robbie Q said it best. Also, shout out to Robbie Q. Uh, I love him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the, my favorite things Robbie Q told me was that um, my mentor should not be older than me, uh, at least not anymore. And mm. I, I think he's right. I think um, the more I look at some of the students and some of the people coming up, the more I can go like, I can't have the confidence to love my own work. I can't have the confidence to like challenge myself and acknowledge the things that I'm doing wrong. And some of these students that are coming up are just like, 
it's just been really nice to be like, hey, uh, is there some way I can help you? <laughs> what can I do for you? Because yeah. I'm getting Cause a lot You're doing a great here. job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just been really, really wonderful working with students that are as inspiring as they are. That's a really um, challenging idea for me. The mentor should be younger than you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I agree with Checking that, but I get ageism. the point of it. Yeah. But then I worry about the ages in the other way, right? I'm like, uh, we have a lot to learn from everybody. I'm not disagreeing, yeah, no, I, but yeah. I'm just recognizing, how, like in hearing that, like, so the initial reaction is like, well, fuck that. And then I'm like, what? why is that so challenging for me? I think- Yeah, it's a I, good question. I think for me, uh, just real quick, uh, less on like idolizing somebody mm-hmm. younger than me and more about like, learning lessons and yeah. i think like mm-hmm. as yeah, i you shouldn't be idolizing anyone <laughs> right that's kind of the point yeah right but as i get older i'm learning like i uh want the quick answer or i want the quick solution or i'd rather be numb to it and i look at students and they'll be like why the fuck aren't you doing things this way and i'll be like mm, you're right you're right i guess i could yeah, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> change things up be a better person yeah. uh, but more along those lines yeah yeah yeah. Well, that's beautiful mm-hmm. i think that's a great place to wrap let's check out real quick yeah, yeah, yeah. the checkout is just an idea or a piece of the conversation that's sticking with you or just how you're feeling right now. I'm glad we got into the prior stuff, not prior before <laughs> yes. prior the genius. Right. And you know, that complicates some of our redaction conversation. It's like, where do you draw the lines in here and yeah, the messiness of that? Cause yeah. the guy was an asshole, Yeah, but I love the idea of like, Spoken word just means words that are spoken. <laughs> and it's like, oh, then I actually do love spoken word. <laughs> definitely, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, one thing for me, a couple things. One, definitely excited to turn the air on in here. Yeah. I think I don't stink anymore. There you go. Shout out. You made uh, it. <laughs> so there's that. Um, one of the secrets of the show that we've told people a little bit, but we don't like stand on is a, a part of why we do this beyond the media of it is relationship building for actually Damon and Daniel. And so just like the way we were laughing before we started the, the real show and just, you know, knowing that there's like a mutual desire to, to be in each other's world in orbit uh, <laughs> feels really good. And I'm just very happy to have shared the space and been able to listen and learn from you. Yeah, we got to be friends now. Yeah. Be- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we got work to do. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> How about you? I don't know. I always get really nervous about interviews or like, you know, uh, having to talk in a way that like, you know, (laughs) might be shown back to me later. (laughs) But I think it was I really appreciate the fact that I got to like uh, acknowledge my own privilege, but then like talk about ways in which I want to like challenge my masculinity. And I don't think I really get a chance to do that in any part of my life. (laughs) Most of the time, folks are just like, you're a man. Be a man. It's great. Right. (laughs) And uh, right. I think like being able to spend time uh, kind of on that. both sides, yeah. like both as like a celebration and a critique, <laughs> mm-hmm. even down to Richard Pryor. Like yeah. I, I run into that a lot too, where it's like, I love him. And that's like, I just bought a big ass t-shirt with his face on it. And at the same time, I have to be like, yeah, you know what? He did shoot his wife's car and there are jokes about it. You know what I mean? And there are a lot of things that like we have to acknowledge about him too. Taking that work and doing it on air is super important and super impressive. So I appreciate you for that. Right back at you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming through and chopping it up with us. Yeah, thank you. And it's been a minute since we since we hung. So shout out to you. Yeah, let's get a beer. Well, how can folks find you and your work in the ways you want to be found? Big Kid Slam, Big Kid Slam, Big Kid Slam. Uh, I have information online. You can find me at uh, Toaster's Modern Life on uh, Instagram. You can find me at He Who Toasts Bread, <laughs> but bread spelled like you, how you would 
breed something. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, B-R-E-D? Yeah, but uh, if you search something butter on any platform, you'll probably find me. And uh, again, most importantly, please, please, please check out Big Kid Slam. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We live stream all of our shows. And uh, our next show is coming up uh, the last Friday of this month. I don't remember what that date is right now because... I fucked it up. But my point is, uh, <laughs> next Friday, come through. It'll be great. It's at uh, Q4 Radio. Thank you so much again. And I just wanted to say this real quick. You know, we work with, really closely with Davon. He's an associate producer on the show. And him. he just has said so many times how pivotal you've been as a person for him finding his way to the city. So thank you for being Damn. that person for him. Damn, I appreciate I love him. him. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go cry about how great Dave Vaughn is. We're such a great community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're at Ergo Radio. I'm at Ergo Kiss. David underscore AF. And we'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of the city for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Hey, Dave. What's up, Kiss? I want you to meet my friend Miriam here. Hey, Miriam. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Miriam is my oldest friend in the world. The whole world. And she is a devoted podcast listener. Are you? I am. Oh, well, that's love. I don't even just, I don't mean our podcast. I just mean podcasts in general. Okay. I love podcasts. How, how do you usually find your podcast? What do you listen to them on? <sighs> the iTunes mm. app. Yeah, I know. Very basic. You're not thrilled with it? It isn't the best. Well, the good news is we actually have a recommendation for you. Oh, yeah? Well, Ergo is sponsored by Overcast. It's an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. Man, it's for the people. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it free in the app store where you get all the other things. That yeah. You, you going to check it out? Sounds amazing. Cool. We won you over. Look how effective this ad is. <gasps> yeah. Pay, pay us more money, folks. <laughs> that's, that's advertising in action. You see? Works. <laughs> see, that's how good we are at selling things. We're doing this. Hey, yo, Harold, hit me up, man. I am an advocate and I can market your stuff because look how great we just marketed Overcast. We just gave an ad for them and an ad for us. I think it's time to get the fuck out of here. Let's do it.